Welcome back. Today's episode is the next in an ongoing series I am doing on this podcast on collectibles and community. In this episode of that series, I speak with TM Reviews, who has a YouTube channel called TM Reviews. On this channel, he reviews collectibles and provides discussion and commentary for the community that has developed around those collectibles. Like others who engage in this kind of review and commentary, he deals with some official products, but also with unlicensed or third-party products. We discuss how his frugal youth gave him a desire to own certain kinds of collectibles, how he left collecting during his teenage and college years, and why he ultimately returned to collecting. We then discuss why he started his YouTube channel and the problems and promise that have come with it. Finally, we turn to what he considers the most important element in collecting, the community. We speak to how he sees his role within the collecting community, specifically among Transformer collectors, but also how he has gone about cultivating his own community through his YouTube channel. I repeat here, again, the central argument of this series, because it becomes clearer with each subsequent discussion. Popular culture and the collectibles that have been developed around them are centerpieces for developing a sense of community. Here is my discussion with TM Reviews. TM Reviews, thanks for coming and spending some time with me tonight. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I've been a fan of your a channel for a while now, um, and I, I say that with a lot of the people that I've talked to here, but it's all true. I'm not like blowing smoke at people, but I, I like a lot of what um, a lot of people are doing. And so I really am excited for the opportunity to spend a little time with you tonight to talking about collectibles and community. Um, so I really appreciate you coming on. But before we jump into any of that, um, if you would be so kind to just give an introduction to everybody who's listening, uh, who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, so I've been basically doing YouTube reviews since 2015. So what is that? Six years, going on yeah. six years. Uh, I didn't really get into real heavy until started uh, hanging out with T-Man and Paik. Uh, really, T-Man was kind of my inspiration to do a little bit more, do things differently. Uh, but in the past like, year or two, I've really picked up doing more. Uh, also going to TFCon, you know, meeting up with people, doing more collaboration type of stuff. So now I'm starting to do more of that than anything else. Great. Uh, I, think I really I... like the community aspect of it. So that's kind of what I tend to spend my most time on. No, that's great. So that's going to be perfect um, for, for the conversation I want to have with you tonight. So that's fantastic. I think I came to you through uh, a comparison video you did several years ago, I think, of, um, of the, the Insecticons, the bugs of okay. bad Cuban stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And so I've been watching since then. So I, don't, I can't remember when that was because that was in the before times. So it all kind of <laughs> smashed together. So, um, yeah, so I'm really excited to, to spend some time with you. So, um, if you don't mind, if we can just start with uh, what brought you to collecting? Have you been doing it for a long time or did you sort of uh, leave and come back or did you just pick it up as an adult? So, yeah, I'm kind of a one-off in that arena. So as a kid, I had very few Transformers. I had like two Transformers um, and, and they were given away to cousins. So I didn't even have them. I think I had like uh, Runabout. You know, the little the battle charger yeah and i had um one other cyclonus i think i had cyclonus but my cousin took him he gifted it to me for my birthday and then took it right back <laughs> so <laughs> i had very few transformers always wanted transformers I had like one or two 
Um, but I had other toys. So my, I grew up cheap. I didn't grow up poor. I grew up cheap. So my parents, they really like weren't into buying name brand stuff, like anything. So like name brand clothes, shoes, toys, you know, food, whatever, you name it. They always were looking for the bargain. Not because they couldn't afford it. They just like to save money. So yeah. um, all my toys were like that, you know, so I had GoBots instead of Transformers. Yeah. I had Constructs. I don't know if you know what Constructs are. Instead of Legos? It's like Legos, yeah. but it's like building like, a cheaper Legos, basically. Um, so that's kind of like I had toys, but I didn't have the name brand toys. So all growing up, I've always wanted Transformers. I mean, that was just kind of my, my dream and background. But then uh, when I went to school and went to college, all that kind of disappeared. Um, I had like some very small collections, but uh, college and like first, I'd say up until 30, I really didn't collect anything. You know, I was into sports, playing games, you know, like hanging out with people, doing parties, stuff like that. So I didn't really pay attention to toys at all for, I would say, a good 10 years. I think it was Walmart. Yeah, I think it was Walmart. So Walmart had alternators. Mm-hmm. Were they Walmart exclusive? I think they were. I don't. I don't remember. That was. That was actually before I got back into anything. I remember seeing them, but I never owned any of them. I, I know they were at Walmart. It might not be exclusive, but so I found one there. I was like, "Are they starting this again?" Like I haven't seen a good transformer that I want for years. Mm-hmm. So I so I bought some alternators, and then I got addicted to that line. So I had to buy them all. So I was on eBay, and that got me back into it a little bit. Um, but I still wasn't like fully into it. And then I found MP01, the 25th anniversary edition. So I bought that. That was that was a Walmart exclusive. So that kind of got me interested, but I never knew it was going to be like a whole line of them. I just thought it was a one-time, mm-hmm. here's Optimus Prime, and that's it. You know, we're done. So I bought it. You know, I had it for a while. Then I found out about, hey, there's a whole line in Japan. Like they have tons of these, not just this one. And then I started looking at those. Again, I, I still wasn't fully collecting. Um, what, what I really started collecting was my wife tracked down MP10 and Toys R Us. Mm. Found, uh, she bought two. So she got me two. One to keep and one to sell. And I got MP10 and that was it. That was, that was the rest of my collecting. So I started buying Masterpiece and Third Party. It was all from that MP10. I don't think she knew. When she bought it, that's what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that she was a gateway drug, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's basically what, you know, that started my channel. So MP10 Uh-oh. was the first masterpiece. Then I started getting some of the, um, early on my channel was known for KO stuff. Mm. I don't know if you've been watching that one, but um, I, I would get a lot of the KOs because I was trying to catch up. I was, I was like four or five MPs behind. Mm-hmm. So if you were trying to catch up, easy way to catch up was get KOs. Which I've since gotten rid of. I got rid of all of them. But um, early on, I was reviewing those and comparing them to the officials and trying to see, you know, how good it. But that's kind of how I got started. Now I'm addicted to Masterpiece. And that's pretty much the only toy line I collect. So I think it might be helpful if I throw in some timelines on some of this um, for anybody who's perhaps maybe not familiar with some of these lines. I think the alternators came out like right around 2000. Um, it was late '90s or early 2000s because they preceded the masterpiece line by a couple of years. Um, 
and that was all going on. It it was almost like an <laughs> I don't mean this to be a pun, but it was almost like an alternate track to the mainstream <laughs> stuff. Um, because at that time, it was the end of the Beast Wars era. Uh, I think right. Robots in Disguise had started, but they hadn't started with the um, the the dubbed the Japanese imports, the, the Armada and that stuff. That was right in and that I'll era. Be, but I'll be honest, I never liked Beast Wars when it was coming. When it was like the show was on after the show was on any of the trans metal, anything that came after it. I didn't like any of it. So I had basically checked out of Transformers completely mm-hmm. while I was going. Even Armada. Armada was okay, but R.I.D. I wasn't really into any of that. What brought me back was Alternators, but there was no show. There was right. no like, thing to go with it. I'm a car guy, so if I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be having like a car channel, you know, car modification or racing, mm. stuff like that. But it's a very expensive hobby. Actually, way more expensive than this. So uh, I can't do both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not tell my wife about that. She thinks this is expensive enough. You know, <laughs> they. Yeah. Uh, yeah, though I can see why the alternators line would have been appealing to you because of yeah, how the realistic car modes that all. Right, that's where had. I was going. So I loved the vehicles. That's, and that's actually why I love G1 Transformers mm. because they took the vehicle modes of Earth in the 1980s. And those are like the cars that I love, you know, Lamborghinis and Porsches and all those cars. I just love vehicles. So when we get these masterpieces, when it looks like that, and it's even the officially licensed ones, I just love the way they look. You like, uh, cars. You like the squared edges, huh? Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, even the rounded ones like tracks, I mean, that's still a beautiful ultimate. Yeah, sure. Um, that's kind of why Ultraviators brought me back because the cars were just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing them. I think it was on Big Bad Toy Store back then because that was they came out and I was I think I might be a little bit younger than you. I was in high school when those things released. So I was um, like, oh, those are cool. I could never afford anything like that. because <laughs> They're cool. Um, yeah, because I, I was a Beast Wars kid. I, you know, I, that was the, my I have an older brother who kind of introduced me to that the whole uh, Generation One era. But um, yeah. So, but I was born in 86. So I was like the prime target for beast wars. Um, and so that was my introduction to it and it kept me going, but I almost, my collection is primarily G1 stuff. Um, because I don't, not because I think it's an entirely better show, but it's, I don't know. There's something interesting about that being the foundation, uh, you know, it's the start of it all. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I I'm, well, we'll go with, Interesting is a very polite word for me. So I'll take that. We'll run with it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So you, you fell out and then came back in. Were there anything else that you were um, collecting at all? Did you ever imagine yourself, you know, at 20 or 25 uh, coming to collecting? Or was this something that kind of thrust itself on you? Uh, definitely not. I, I never imagined. I don't have any friends locally or even, you know, through my life that like Transformers. Like they come to my house and they'll see it. They appreciate it, but they don't collect. They don't get it. They don't, you know, understand the love. They wouldn't. One guy came with me to a TF con just as like, you know, to keep me company, but like not because he loves transformers. Yeah. So I grew up with friends that they just, you know, it's not their thing. You know, they don't, they don't make fun of me for it, but they also don't love it either. You know, they're just kind of, we're all like into sports. We're all competitive. We all play games. That's kind of, like how I grew up. Yeah. So 
I never thought I would be collecting Transformers. I definitely never thought I'd have a YouTube channel. That's a whole separate question. But well, um, now, now, do any of those people tend to collect anything else, sports memorabilia or any of that, or is it just uh, uh, something? Yeah, actually, that you... that's a good point. Yeah. So, um, my one of my friends who got me into football, he collects, you know, Jets memorabilia, which is mm. probably the worst memorabilia to have because <laughs> they're a horrible team. <laughs> but um, you know, he kind of got me into. Um, football just sports in general and kind of following teams so I, for a while i actually had some sports memorabilia but i was never it didn't excite me to get something new mm -hmm. i wasn't like oh i gotta you know put this up or display it or play with it but mm -hmm. transformers it's a totally different feeling so you get it it just brings you back to that childhood thing but yet it's adult you know right yeah, that's the part of the collecting thing that's always been interesting uh, to me, sort of broadly, even outside of the, the Transformers world, how how um, so much of this seems idiosyncratic from the outside when you, you know, this is the thing you're wanting to collect. And yet so many people engage in collecting of some sort, um, whether it's, you know, shoes or plates or, you know, um, sports memorabilia, cars, whatever. A lot of it's depending on how much money you have, but some of it is, um, you know, they're just, there's something about it that seems to have a draw to people. And it seems that you and I are people like us that are drawn to these um, metal and plastic uh, gimmick machines and uh, which is interesting of its own. Um, so uh, you, you made mention that your, your, your parents were frugal. Um, and now were they, was there anything like that in your house where were there books that they collected? Was there any of these kinds of things or uh, are you sort of the, the odd man out in your family? I don't think they collected anything like my sister, my parents. I mean, I actually didn't even tell them that I was collecting or that I had a YouTube channel for at least four years. Really? Yeah. Four years into it. I finally decided to tell my sister first and I told her and she's like oh why didn't you tell us you should she has two sons and ah. they're you know they're of the age that they like transformers and watch it um they don't really collect transformers but I mean they like it and I told them and they freaked out and they're like oh that's awesome and they started watching and then she told my sister-in-law my wife's sister and her kids are on the same age and they started watching and started coming to my live streams and commenting um, so it was kind of like at that point I had to tell my parents because <laughs> right. everybody in the family but them knows I told them <laughs> and it wasn't the reaction I was I was expecting them to be like that's so stupid why are you wasting time on that um, they're like oh that's cool you know they I mean they weren't like totally excited but they didn't like poo poo it either yeah no that's good scared for no reason really yeah. yeah they never collected anything nobody in my family collects anything honestly <laughs> It's interesting, um, the the various interactions that people have had when it comes to collecting, especially when it comes to collecting things that, and I'll put this in quotes, uh, nerd stuff, um, you know, somehow collecting baseball bats isn't considered nerdy, mm -hmm. but, uh, but uh, you know, an Optimus Prime is, you know, even though uh, I would say that that character is ubiquitous and as recognizable as any baseball bat, you know, right. um, especially now. But now, I'll be honest, though, they they don't collect anything like any sports memorabilia toys coins you know just you name it any kind of you know stamps i think my sister for a brief time collected stamps but nobody collects anything they just i think it's just seen as a waste of 
time or money. Yeah. Like in, in the Indian culture, mm-hmm. like they don't collect stuff. They collect stuff for the purpose of, you know, being frugal and saving money. Yeah. Right. It's a so different my, kind of collecting. Yeah. Like my parents <laughs> used to collect it's, this is really strange, but um, containers. Mm-hmm. So they would like buy something and it's in a really nice container. And they'll keep the container. They still do that today. They'll, they'll keep the container. They're like, well, this is a perfectly good container. I can put other stuff in it. So <laughs> just keep it forever. Yeah, yeah. We, we did that too, but that's because I grew up poor. Um, so the butter container was like the spaghetti container became the cereal container. Right. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I mean, they grew up poor. So that's why they yeah. live that way. But they didn't need to do that. They had made a living for themselves. Um, but yet they still live that way. <laughs> that, that mentality is, is hard to let go. Um, yeah. you know, my mom still does that to this day and it's like, they're fine. They're retired that, you know, they're doing great and all those, the stuff and she'll yeah. still, no, no, you, you save that cold cut thing. Mom, you can recycle this, you know, you don't need this. Yeah. Um, if, you did, if you haven't grown up with rainbow soap, you then you didn't grow up poor. <laughs> yeah. You had to have rainbow soap. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, we. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's an interesting thing where um, there there also seems to be something about people that grew up like in that era, in that somewhere in that eighties yeah. into the early nineties, even. I think the nineties changed a bit, um, but it seems to be. Do you think that that's there's something true to that? That there's something about these eighties things that sort of like stamped themselves on, you know, kind of like how Marvel and DC did with kids in the sixties. Um, that we're just going to be, you know, with these franchises for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the nostalgia factor is still playing a role in the market being what it is. Right? They, they wouldn't be able to sell this much toys. I just did the craziest thing. I, I don't collect G.I. Joe, mm. but I was like having FOMO and um, my friend, T-Man, actually T-Man told me, Hey, you know, they have, Target has all of the exclusives on the website for no reason other than to just live nostalgia. I bought them. And then I was like, well, I have these. I might as well get the rest. Might get the rest, right? <laughs> so then I started, you know, getting the rest. So that I think that plays a role too is the, hey, you know, my buddies are talking about it. Or my buddies have it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, nostalgia plus FOMO equals we're going to buy this stuff. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> That's... Um... I remember having GI Joes as a kid because they were they were such different kinds of things. Because like G One Transformers are they're they were great for the time, I suppose. But they uh they're like bricks, um, usually bricks that can have an arm rotation, you know, right. <laughs> like that's the extent of it. They don't do a lot. GI Joes were like articulated and stuff, and they had that rubber band in the middle that you could just decimate these poor things. Um, <laughs> not that I ever did that, you know. <laughs> Oh, um, I did that all the time. Yeah, might so did my brother. He's like, dude, it's 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 a battle, you know. They're gonna do this. Like, why why did all of the people in the war get cut in half, though, man? You know, like that doesn't make sense. But anyway, so again, GI Joe is an. Uh, this is unique to me. I don't think this is everybody. I didn't get GI Joes as a kid. I got mm-hmm. one, and it was a gift. You know, some somebody gave it to me. So, all throughout my life, I've been like, hey, it would be cool to have GI Joes, yeah. and now it's here. I'm like, okay, I don't need this, but just not having it as a kid and now being able to afford it and have it, mm-hmm. that's another thing. A lot of people had the whole collection 
and I think it is that's more a nostalgia factor. But for me, it's more of a FOMO thing. Is hey, it's here, I can afford it, I can get it, I can buy it, and it can help me relive the childhood that I missed out on. <laughs> you know, living cheap. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and there's something to be said for that. Uh, having the opportunity to go back and um, not relive, but um, experience what you think it would have been, it must have been like. You know. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, and that which always leads me to this question. I'm, I think I'm going to ask this to everybody who I talk to uh, in this series. Do you think nostalgia is good or bad? I think it's good. I mean, it brings happiness when you can relive nostalgia or when you can, um, I guess, fulfill mm-hmm. the desire of nostalgia. So if it brings you happiness, then I say, why not? You know, why not? Why not have that enjoyment? Mm-hmm. Now, if it creates a problem in your life, like you can't, you're you're going beyond your means, or you're, you know, creating a problem with your family. That's that's a different issue. But if if it's within your means and you enjoy it and it brings you happiness, I say, why not? You know, why not have nostalgia? I think it's a good thing. It's, it might uh, keep us in this spot for a while, right? Because we have the '80s. I think that's kind of what you're hinting at: is nostalgia might keep us from developing new ideas or new franchises or new you know fantasy but i think it's fine if people are happy with it and they're enjoying it you know let us enjoy it i am curious though about the new generation what's their thing going to be like what are they going to be nostalgic for well and that that's what the this the curious thing to me and why i like asking this and part of my my sort of dissertation research ran a, 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 a adjacent to this so oh, it's something okay. i've been thinking about for a while um, and something that's of like academic interest to me. So I like to kind of nerd out in a different way. <laughs> um, I now say that, you know, I've always been a nerd. Now I have the credentials, <laughs> but uh, um, it's interesting to me that, you know, there is this sort of thing where the, the culture is um, saturated in nerddom, which I couldn't have imagined, you know, 14 year old me, this has been like 2000 to go, you know, in, in about, ten, you don't see this coming, but in 10 years, y- you will be at the, epi- your brain will be at the epicenter of the culture. And this is no way, man, you're out of your mind. There's no possible way, you know, and now uh, sort of people I could never have imagined are watching WandaVision and talking about it. Like, <laughs> it's like, what is this? You know, this is insane. Right. Um, but it, so in that sense, I, I, tend to agree with you on the nostalgia front there that there's a benefit to sort of the comfort that comes along with it um that that there seems to be a lot of people seeking that out now it's you know having a certain level of comfort and, and this gives me um, a sense of satisfaction or enjoyment and yeah those are good though then that then there is the sort of the flip side of uh does this mean that all the subsequent generations are then bound to have the same nostalgia for the thing you are nostalgic for and then it leads to the I don't spend lots of times on the boards, you know, um, especially on the Transformers boards, because, well, it's like everything else on the Internet. You know, Um, there's a lot of people that are angry about a lot of things uh, (laughs) and they need to let you know. And um, which I that's the side of it that I I can see being the uh, the dark inverse, which is um, you made one change to the thing that I really like. And so you have destroyed everything that I, you know, love, or you've killed my childhood or whatever so that, that you know, hyperbolic thing is. That might be unique to our generation 
you know, the way we operate on the internet and on Facebook because we didn't always have it. So we don't really know how to behave or (laughs) treat each other in that environment. But the new generation, they've had it all, all the way through, you know, from grade school all the way up to adult life. And, you know, they have a different outlook when it comes to using those platforms. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as, you know, what we, you know, and there's this addiction thing, right? You know, getting addicted to social media, getting addicted to that kind of thing. That might be a bigger problem than the mistreatment or the behavior of people on social media. Right? The more of just getting off your device. I think yeah. that'll be the, that'll be the issue with the newer generation. But my daughter, so my daughter, she's seven, and she has her own toys, and she has she doesn't collect anything really, other than the stuffed animals, which is the worst collection you can possibly have, because <laughs> they don't do anything, yeah, other than take up space. They just fill your house, yeah. Um, but she she collects stuffed animals basically, and she's addicted to claw games. So every time we see a claw game, we have to play. We win a lot, so that makes her want to play more. Yeah. So so she doesn't collect anything other than that, but. Uh, she appreciates my appreciation of toys. Like she is happy. Um, I'll just tell you a story. So we went. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can you can see it. So back there, there's a little teeny tiny Optimus Prime in my Optimus mm-hmm. Prime collection. We went to Hershey Park, and they had a little toy store, or not a toy store, like a Hershey store. Mm-hmm. And one of the candies had a little mini Optimus Prime in it. So she bought it with her own money or like allowance money or whatever. And she was hoping that it had Optimus Prime because it had like a bunch of different characters. And so she opens it up and she's like, I got this for you. And she's like, but I have bad news. I was like, what is it? She's like, it doesn't have any articulation. <laughs> so she, she knows, right? She knows what I like. She knows what I appreciate. She personally doesn't want it. You know, she's not looking to collect Transformers, but she appreciates that I appreciate it. So I think kids in the next generation, you know, they will have something different. You know, she looks at like, it's a lot of princess stuff, but she has, uh, oh, what is it called? Genie. I can't even remember what it is. It's like these two girls that are genies. Um, I don't think when she gets older, they're going to be like, oh, I'm so nostalgic for that. Yeah. Can't wait for the adult version of the little girl genies. You know, I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I imagine that the sort of um, the one that really because there's you have this burst in the 80s where, you know, you've got G.I. Joe and He-Man and though some of them didn't really survive like uh, Jim, yeah. um, you know, some of that stuff. Uh, my little yeah, like my, my wife or like my sister, they're not like super nostalgic for Jim. Like they see a gem in the store like, oh, I got to buy that. Yeah. Let's collect them all like they don't do that. Yeah. So maybe it's different with girls, but I just don't see the new generation having a thing like Transformers or G.I. Joe or whatever, you, know, you name it, that they suddenly are nostalgic as an adult and have to buy and collect. And Well, and you even get that in people who are younger. So I'm, I'm about to turn, God, what year is this? I'm about to turn 35. So um, let's say people who are in their 20s, mid 20s, whatever. Um, they're the ones that grew up on Pokemon even more than I did. And like, I remember playing it on that cool. behemoth that if it dropped on the family pet, you know, it was a tragedy. Yeah. And, um, you know, but even more than that, and you saw that with the Pokemon Go and, you know, how that is still such a um, tremendously thriving environment there. 
that's been like full steam ahead for 25 years. Um, and that there's so much of that, that it's, it's, it raises this interesting question, especially with brands like Transformers. Uh, G.I. Joe didn't really, because they basically disappeared for a while. Yeah. Um, Transformers didn't. Pokemon hasn't. Um, Gundam basically hasn't, at least in Japan. Uh, Dragon Ball, like the, these things that have been around. How much can we really say it's it's nostalgia for something that's gone by when it never went away? <laughs> you know, um, these things just have been. I would never. Who would say that they're nostalgic for Batman? Um, right. This is not something just, that's ever it's just still here. Yeah. It's never gone away. But here, because like Transformers has gone through iterations, it does seem that there are nostalgia for certain variations of it. Right. Um, and but that then leads to this problem that we were you know referencing this. No, mine's the right one. You know, yours is stupid and childish. <laughs> um, mine's the good one. And, and I have to imagine that that's probably what a lot of the younger people today as they, you know, it's going to be Transformers Prime that they're any of the kids that sort of fall in our Transformers love will maybe go for that or animated. I didn't I haven't watched that one. Um, and maybe the current Netflix series, though, that one's going to be, I think, tougher to be I... attached to. I hate oh. to say this, but I think it's going to be Bayverse. I think Bayverse is going to be mm-hmm. like that. Hey, that's the first movie I ever saw. And, you know, Bumblebee, I connected with Bumblebee as a character. Mm-hmm. So our, our prime is their Bumblebee, you know, like, yep. I think if that generation connects with anything in Transformers, it's going to be Bayverse and it's going to be Bumblebee. <laughs> so I have a, a friend of mine whose son, um, is like super into transformers my, my friend is to an extent though he's way more into like alien and predator and that kind of stuff so it's much more his realm and in these things he, he's sort of an eclectic collector um but his son is like super into it but he doesn't really like the michael bay movies he's like things blow up and i don't know why <laughs> he's eight and I'm like oh, all right you got you you got their number kid <laughs> um but he, that's a perfect he, definition of papers <laughs> that's right um and but he's very much in he loves the 80s cartoon and uh the beast wars he's super into it yeah he's really into it so i'm it it could be interesting to see the people who come into the franchise as a universe instead of as one particular iteration of it and i wonder if it won't be more like people who again i think batman or superman's maybe a good example i don't know that there are massive fights maybe there are and i don't participate in it between like john burns version of superman in the 90s versus like current iterations where it's like no your version is stupid long-haired superman was dumb and like on and on and on and on i wonder if it's going to end up being more like that with these franchises that have lasted for decades that when you sort of get absorbed into the universe it's like oh that's just a cool version of bumblebee or whatever um maybe that's me being optimistic (laughs) But uh, I have to, yeah, I think you're right that they will do. So. And YouTube probably has changed a lot of this stuff because those aren't old shows anymore. They're just accessible like everything else. You don't have to right. you know, wait for it. Um, and they don't even have to always endure nasty, grainy images like we did. You know, we had to rough it with uh, all those over the air TV shows that were oh, yeah. so, you know, it was rough. Um so, yeah, we've talked a little bit about what brought you in and, and a bit about uh, nostalgia and also some about your um, your, your family. But um, before we move into sort of the last major topic that I want to talk to you about, 
uh, I, I do have one one other sort of question, which is, um, what what do you think the uh, the attraction is that's kept you collecting? Um, you, you've had the thing that brought you to it, the, the alternators line, and then subsequently the uh, the masterpiece one. But what what's kept you in it, um, especially with a, a thing that's as um, what's going what's going to be the right word to talk about masterpiece transformers collectors? Um, contentious, spotty, infrequent. Um, you know. All of the above, all of these things going on. Um, what what keeps you in it, and um, what what is it like? I can see your collection is is behind you. Um, what what does it make you feel like when you, when you look at that? Um, and how does that relate to this whole situation? So, I mean, I'm jumping ahead because I know you're going to talk about this, but it is the community aspect. I probably would have not been doing this anymore. I probably would quit YouTube and maybe even quit collecting if I hadn't met T-Man and uh, Paik. Mm. So one of the things that I get to do, which is very, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate, is I get to talk to them about Transformers. But we, we talk more general, just pop culture. So we'll talk about, you know, the Fallen, you know, any, any toy line, you name it. Mm-hmm. You know, T-Man collects everything. You know, I don't, I don't collect everything, but I appreciate pretty much every, any kind of toy line. <clears throat> and I live, I live vicariously through him. So I get to watch his videos and not have to buy all the toys. Yeah. <laughs> but he, um, he kind of, I guess, guided me. I don't have any other way to say. Like, he was sort of a mentor in you know, how, how to improve, how to do things better. Uh, and then in a weird, weird way, Bobby also, you know, I talked to him quite a bit about, how do I build a you know, community or how do I get, you know, people to like hang out basically. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have a lot of people here locally and I'm in upstate New York. Mm. Um, most of the people I talk to or quote unquote hang out with online are in the Maryland area or, you know, not in this Northeast region. But like I said, if it wasn't for that, I probably would have quit. I probably wouldn't have been doing this anymore but because I get that sense of community or get that sense of, you know, being able to talk about something together or experience it together. Like we'll watch, we'll all each individually watch Transformers Kingdom and then we'll talk about it mm-hmm. and say, you know, what things we liked or didn't like. Or we'll all watch, um, I don't know, the Marvel shows that are coming out on uh, Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about those. Right? If I didn't have that, I, I don't know if I would be collecting. I might not. Um, the other thing that keeps me in is YouTube. So if I just was collecting and putting it on a shelf, I would not enjoy it nearly as much as, because I have to transform it. Some people take it out of the box and put it on the shelf and never transform it. Mm-hmm. I have to transform it. So, and it's part of my, you know, work to do it. And it's not really work, but um, it's my work to do that. So I get to experience that. Mm-hmm. Because I get to do that, I never get bored because I'm always experiencing a new toy. Always, you know, basically, I'm actually handling a toy right now. Yeah. Um, I'm always like discovering something new, or I'm always looking at a new product or a new company or new engineering or new design. Mm-hmm. So that keeps me interested. If I was just buying it to put it on my shelf, I probably would have quit. I probably would have stopped collecting. 
So in a weird way, YouTube has kept me going. It has kept you going. How about that? That's interesting. Uh, Cause I, I came to it very differently. Actually, I certainly came to, I came to collecting way late. I, I, I bought my first masterpiece figure in 2018. So I'm like, I don't know, a third grader. Um, like I am right at the beginning and, and just, gotcha. you know, getting started. And um, though, yeah. And, and I, I first set out just to do like season one of the Decepticons. I'm like, that's going to be good enough. And uh, that's like, actually what I said to myself too. I was like, I'm just going to get season one. And then when I get to here, I'm going to stop. Um, yep. But, but once YouTube started, I couldn't do that. Like it was, I have to see the new products. I need to see what the new companies are, what the new technologies how are they engineering things? How are they painting things? Like it just get, kept going because they kept making more. Oh, so, and, and that's exact. I I went in. I uh, I I'm <laughs> I I like the uh, season three characters as much as anything else from G one. Um, probably because I I didn't have the trauma of watching my whole toy line die in the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, but I, I resonate with those. And then um so i got a, a hot rod figure the mp hot rod and it was like well guess i'm getting them all now then <laughs> so and here we are um what, what i found at least with mine um because i don't have uh i mean i have a very small i mean like very small youtube and then you know i have the podcast which is not dedicated just to that it's mostly just an excuse for me to talk to people that i think are interesting and want to talk to so um you know yeah, it's, it's nice. I've had all kinds of wonderfully polite people like, like you let me bother them for a while. And it's been great. Um, so with I actually mine... listened to a couple of other shows that were not related. Mm. And, you know, you, you have a lot of political science discussions. And I was yeah. kind of like, how did you get Transformers mixed up into this very intelligent political science discussions. And then you got transformers guys. Yeah, that's yep. You're uh, yep. You've got me. Um, yeah. My background's in political science. That's what my, um, my PhD is in and um, you know, subsequent stuff. So that's of one interest. So it's like one part of my brain is really interested in these kind of things. I actually don't think in my mind anyway, that they're all that different from each other. Um, because the stuff in political science that I'm interested in uh, is my, well, my dissertation's in political philosophy, so it's what my primary area of study is in. And it's really centered on how do you cultivate the kind of character that's necessary to live in a community? Well, that means I'm going to be really interested in how people develop communities. And so that's how that's how all those things, in my mind, are connected. I'm sure to people that are listening, are like, <laughs> this man, what is wrong with him? Um, you know, it, it, what's that horrible meme, but you know, he started a podcast instead of going to therapy. And I'm like, no, no, I started a podcast. <laughs> I started a podcast because there's lots of people that are interesting that I otherwise wouldn't get to talk to. Yeah. Um, but in, in my collecting, also thank you for listening. It's very nice of you. Um, the uh in, in the collecting, the I said this to Bobby too, and it, it for me, because I'm I i do not have the the presence, the the these things, especially in these sort of circles. And I'm not interacting with a lot of people in this way. So it is mostly up until recently, basically just been, you know, sort of me and my toys. Yeah. And, and, and then my wife going, now, why are you doing this? And I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, and, <laughs> but it's because, and I said this to Bobby and, and I'm sure people are like, he has to be crazy, but it's like, it's because I can sort of hear them. <laughs> I, I can see the characters and, and I, 
there's something particular that I can, I don't know, um, extrapolate out of them that they're, they're, it's not like they're real. I'm not crazy, you know, <laughs> but it is, there is a sense of, um, there's a universe that I'm, I'm getting to participate in indirectly by doing this. And one that has a particular amount of, you know, significance to me as, uh, you know, as a kid and then sort of a on through. Mm. And um, so that's sort of been me. I, I think I said this to Paik in our discussion that uh, I'm, I've been a lurker, um, you know, around. Yeah, and, I haven't and, actually seen you comment. So I'm guessing that's on nope. my channel. You probably haven't. Said I, I haven't. Me. I haven't commented on, I don't think I've made a single YouTube comment ever, um, oh like on any video to anyone ever. And um, I, uh, yeah, that's just was never my thing. Um, you know, I was on social media really early. I was, I, I got on Facebook in, in September of 2005. There were like 35,000 people on it. Oh. And um, that's back when you had to have like a, an, a college email address right. or whatever. Like you had know. to be associated with some... And, and all you could do was poke and throw sheep. And like, it was very cute. <laughs> and it was, it was like everything else on the internet sort of back then it, you got on, you did the thing and then you left, right? <laughs> you know, and uh, it's not like now, but um, even there, it was like, I, I've never been um, super much into that. Now, any of the people who God be with them that follow me on Twitter, I'm not exactly like that on Twitter, <laughs> but uh, every while I'm not, I'm not, I'm much more of a yeah, lurker. But what's been nice about it to watch how things have um, interacted and changed through all of your different platforms, it's given me access to the community um, that either otherwise I would only right. get from, you know, snarky comments on, on the TF <laughs> forums and whatever. <laughs> um, and so that's how, to me, the, these things are all some ways connected um, because they're all interested in setting up community in one way or another. And uh, how do you go about cultivating that? So I think that's about as good of a transition as going to get into this last topic. So um, why why did you want to start a YouTube channel? That's a long question. <laughs> um, I don't know. So I think it started with. So I told you earlier, my my channel kind of started with KOs, and I like to provide information. So if you, if you watch my videos or, you know, you just look at any of my content, even my live streams, my main purpose is I don't provide entertainment like Bobby, which is why I love watching Bobby and I love his channel because he is an entertainer. That's what he's there for. He's there to entertain you, make you laugh a little bit. You know, he, he's entertaining. Um, but what I saw was missing was, you know, all the information. Like give, me, give me the facts and everything, make it complete. Don't leave anything out. Um, so that's kind of why I got started. Um, and believe it or not, out of all people, one of the people that got me started was Optobotomist, mm. who I, I actually don't watch or really have any relationship with anymore at all. Um, but at the time, I was trying to like ask him, how do I get started? And asked him for some advice, stuff like that. And you know, I was interested in doing something a little, maybe a little different but more focused on just providing the facts, finding information, you know, and less of an opinion. Now that's changed over time, but at the time that was kind of my, my drive was to, you know, provide a fact-based, you know, give me all the information, kind of detailed review. Mm -hmm. I've, I've since shortened up my reviews because I found that if you make an hour long review, people aren't going to watch it. 
you know, the, the sweet spot is like 15 minutes to 25 minutes in there. Anything longer, you're probably going to split it up or, or, you know, cut the video. So I've, I've learned, and that's what I learned from, from T-Man. T-Man learned, ta taught me how to cut out things that are necessarily like, for example, packaging. You only need to see packaging so much. You don't need to spend 10 minutes on the packaging. And so when I see, especially newer reviewers, will spend a lot of time and you're five, six minutes into the review and they haven't even opened and touched the figure yet. Um, that's too much time because people, the average time that somebody's going to stay is between five minutes and 15 minutes. So you, you better have captured their attention or mm -hmm. they already turned it off. So I learned that stuff from, from T-Man. But early on, my goal was to be more you know, information-based source. So I still kind of live to that today. Like that's why I do my Wednesday night lives. Mm -hmm. That's why I do the news show with T-Man and Paik. Right? That's all to just bring information to bear. But I'm trying to compact it, you know, as, as small as I can make it. So it's not like dragged on too long, you know, people people leave. Mm -hmm. No, that's a, uh, um, now that you say that, that makes quite a bit of sense actually with the, the way, <laughs> because toy reviewers in general sort of have a similar kind of formula you have to sort of fall into. Um, you can move, you know, am I going to look at the packaging at the beginning or at the end? Am I going to do this? When am I going to look at the articulation? You know, but there are certain things you have to check off and, uh, the rest of it is what um, what am I drawing out of you that's different from someone else, right? right? And that's always the constant competition. And what has been interesting, again, as sort of a permanent lurker, <laughs> is to watch the way in how people have uh, decided to differentiate themselves. Um, and yeah, in your case, I think information-based, if that was what you set out to do, I think you've been quite successful at that. Um, and um, so, which is, that's, that's good. Um, what's your overall experience? So if you've been doing it for about five years and I, I th is it fair to say like in earnest, you probably like really cranked it up maybe three years ago, um, or three and a half years ago. Yeah. 20, I think 2015 was the first year and the first two years I probably put out like less than 20 videos, right? That's, that's not a lot mm -hmm. because now I'm, I'm doing like three a week, which is, yeah. you know, a lot. Probably in a month, I'm doing more than I did the first year, which you know, think about it. I mean, that's a crazy number. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I didn't. I wasn't focused on it. You know, I wasn't spending time on it. I didn't have a schedule. You know, now you start. The more you go, the more time it takes because you start developing a schedule. Then you have to get things in and out. You have to do all the editing. So it's like a it's like a monster that keeps has to be being fed. Yep. You know, it just gets it's more and more. Now I have people who send me stuff, so that's that's really I'm very fortunate for it. But I have a couple people who, um, just out of the kindness of their heart, there's no reason they should do it, but they send me stuff to look at because I can't buy everything. It's just not feasible, mm -hmm. um, you know, budget wise and time wise to, to buy everything. So, you know, they send me stuff I can look at, and I get to look at a more wider variety of things that I normally wouldn't. Like, for example, Beast Wars stuff that I'm not necessarily interested in, but I appreciate the engineering and the design mm -hmm. and the, you know what went into making it. And same for um, Legends. You know, I don't collect Legends. They're just too small for me. But I appreciate the engineering 
and the design behind it. So I'm an engineer, by the way. So that's my my real job. I see. So that I grew makes up sense. appreciating, you know, the design of these things. Um, and I actually, I know one designer now, finally, after all this time doing this. And it's incredible, these guys. These, their, uh, their skill and ability is like unbelievable. What they're able to do with the CAD and to figure out how things are going to move, you know, kind of in their head, you know, and then make it a reality in, in plastic is just incredible. It's amazing. I, there are, there have been a couple of figures that I have picked up that are, eminently frustrating because of the engineering, right? And I think everyone, anyone who's ever interacted in this arena at all can think of at least one or two where at halfway during the thing, you're going, one, I'm never going to finish this, right? It, <laughs> I bought an expensive paperweight. And two, like, I, I don't remember it being like this as a kid. I, I, these things aren't supposed to make me angry. Mm-hmm. And, but then I take a, a sort of a step back and go, but what they're trying to make this thing do is is flabbergasting to I, I some of the um like and this is true across the board like in all the companies some of them are just better at it than others or more successful yeah. at it which and that seems to be far more it's better is relative there because once you figured out the formula you uh, i think of fans toys in this way they figured out their formula probably four years ago um maybe five years ago and they just don't they basically just don't miss um, even their like mediocre figures are better than most figures that are released by anyone else. And uh, they've just figured that out, which tells me whomever is doing the back end designing stuff must all be pretty consistent and very similar people. Yeah. Um, and they do moonlight, right? So they like work between companies, sure. jump between companies. Um, the community is kind of like us, right? Like they're, it's incestuous. Like they're going from one company to another. Yeah. And even sometimes Takara, like sometimes they even work for the big boy. Well, and, and, but what that does is it builds institutional knowledge that is absolutely essential for any of these things to actually function. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm not an engineer. Um, I have never, I don't think I've ever even like sniffed an engineering book, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I am fascinated by physics. I'm fascinated by how these things operate and, and the way in which they're able to, um, have like faux mass shifting. And some of these actually do that now, which is yeah, absolutely which is crazy. Mind blowing. Yeah. That it, it changes size. As, as it you, changes shape, you know, yeah. and uh, which is incredible. And I think sometimes it is easy to forget, especially because of how expensive some of these things can get. Yeah. That, so that's the rub though, right? Is, is the expense early on in third party, things were expensive but not, not where they are right now. Yeah. No. Um, and, and you could still afford to get a piece and be like, yeah, it's not the best, but it's, it's good enough. I'm, I'm going to live with it. But now if you pay $200, which is like the going rate for, you know, a larger figure, yep. $200, give or take, depending on, you know, even, even X, X Transbots, you know, some of their newer figures are around $200 for a bigger character. Now it's like, well, I can't afford a miss. Right. Because I, you know, if I'm going to pay for this one character or this one uh, figure, represent this one character, it better be good for $200. Yeah, no kidding. And it's like, and when you can understand $200 like 10 times, you know, to find the right one. Right. That's right. And, and the companies can't afford to miss either. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, if you release a couple of duds and they're 50 bucks a piece, you know, that's not a huge, there's a lot of cost that's involved in that, but you can, we, we can think of at least one company out there that will just reissue like 15 things out of their catalog and make up for it. (laughs) Um, And, you know, but yeah, now that they've increased in that, but what's also included. And I think this is where the, there could be some really interesting conversations, especially among um, people who are reviewing these things and doing these things really intimately. Like that's, I think that's the biggest difference that I've picked up on between like listening to people having a conversation and then having a conversation. There are ins and outs and, and things that I just will not as a consumer ever understand about these things that you will as a reviewer, because you're intimately involved with so many of them day in and day out, interacting with them day in and day out. And I think what would be really interesting is to have a a reflection or a conversation on how those things like engineering have so dramatically enhanced in the last five years. That's a huge conversation. And, and it's driving the expense of everything, but they're better figures. Yeah. The, the engineering and then the materials, even the plastic, the, Mm -hmm. the plastic they're using is better than let's say three years ago. You know, it's the, the amount of improvement in the short period of time. And I think a lot of it's driven by third party. To mm-hmm. be fair. I think third party has innovated so much that now Takara is actually competing. They used to be the dog, you know, top dog and everybody else was chasing them. Now it feels like the opposite. You know, Takara is chasing the third party. Um, and sometimes they're the same way, right? Sometimes they have a hit, sometimes they have a miss. Yeah, sure. It's just that they then have 17 other brands that they can fall back on and it's like, they're not hurt. Cause these is, yeah. that's the other thing about this is it's such a niche. There aren't that many people collecting these things. Um, like these, these will have runs of, I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen good numbers on any of this, but yeah, from the best I things that I've seen. That. Yeah. But it, it's going to be, I mean, it's not going to be more than 15,000 figures or something. Oh, um, it's not even close to 15,000. And, and well, like the major ones coming from Takara, they'll oh, produce Takara, a yeah, lot. Yeah, they'll produce yeah, a lot. a lot, yes. But then like your third party, uh, uh, like a big fan's toys release might be 6,000, um, yeah, maybe. Or, you know, And um, which tells you, and they'll sell out. So, and, and then we presume that that's going to 6,000 people. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> there are plenty of people that buy two. There are plenty of people that buy more than two and then turn around and wait six months and then sell them for a whole lot more or money. Or resellers who do yeah. that too. You know, there's and, resellers who buy stock and just hold it. Yeah, right. And um, so it, it's really difficult to like get an estimation of just how many people are actually doing yeah. this. Um, I don't think the numbers are that high. You know, this is total speculation on my part. Um, I don't think the numbers are that high. I think they're in the 2,000 to 5,000 range on a, on a high end. So if they make a lot of one figure, then they everything goes up. You, you got to store it. Mm-hmm. You have inventory. You got a space. You got to have a dis- more distributors. You got to ship to distributors. So all of the costs go up as you produce more, unless you own your own factory and your own like storage facility. Mm-hmm. You you now have to increase your costs the more you produce, and also you got to buy the factory time to produce that many units. So I think Fans Toys, I don't think they're trying to uh, limit the supply. I think they just didn't change it, but the demand went up. 
Oh, and didn't increase their numbers, but the demand went way up. And then you've got these um, resellers or distributors who are holding on to tons of stock, of course, artificially driving the price up. Um, and you know that because you, if you go to the Chinese websites, the Taobao's mm-hmm. and all those, you know, not so trustworthy places, you can see the wholesale price is way lower than what we're paying here. You know, and, and people have to make a living, but the distributors are making a buck, the shippers are making a buck, and the retailer is making a buck. So by the time it gets to us, you know, that's like another hundred bucks on top of the price. Yeah. Well, and, and some of it is because the, the world is chaotic in the shipping structure now, and it looks like yes. it's going to stay that way probably for several years. Um, and, and that's making it worse for sure. And, but yeah, there are all of these other things, and, but the, the Taobao piece, and then the, it also has to be that there are just more people collecting now than there were five years ago. And, um, and in more places, I think that's probably the bigger difference is it's not yes. just like in China and in the U S and, um, interestingly enough, like a lot in, in the UK, <laughs> um, like there's, it's really big there and I, you know, but increasingly it's everywhere, which makes sense. Um, you know, as the brand matures and as um, people have more access to more of these things, that that's inevitable. That's actually good. That's one of the odd things here. As the expenses goes up, it's bad for the consumer, but it's probably good for the life of the brand or the life of the of collecting, um, because now you'll have. Well, and we've seen this. All of a sudden, these additional new third parties are just popping up everywhere, and just dropping figures, and you're like. Who is this? Oh, they're they're like the fourth iteration of this company over here, right? You know, um, but I think that competition is good. You know, oh, I think so too. If they say, you know, what we can make a good product and we can make it for the same or less price, or we can improve on this or that, I think that's good for us you know, as mm-hmm. consumers. So I, I'm okay with it. Um, what I what I don't like though is if they make a promise to do something and then go pull back on that promise that's that's where customer loyalty ends you know mm-hmm. they, they they're willing to pay a good price for a good product right Any, anybody's at least me you know that's my motto I'll, I'll pay more for a better thing than get a cheaper thing and save some money i'd rather get the better thing but where that ends is if they trick me as a consumer yep then then i'm not down for that i don't care whether your product is better i'm not into that i don't mm-hmm. want being tricked Yep, happened to me recently. You know, I got I got tricked, and I, I bought something, and I was willing to pay. It was a higher price. I was like, okay, I'll pay the higher price. You know, it's gonna be a good product, but it wasn't. You know, it was kind of got duped on it. So if they do that, you know, Fanstory says that I think that would drive fans away. And yet they they haven't like, and that's been the one thing that's so inter- one. It's what a prolific company. Um, like th- they'll put out six new molds, seven new molds in a year, but they'll put on a new figure each month. And they've been right. doing that for two and a half years now, um, which is right. way faster than Takara, you know, for anybody. And yeah. right. And, and is consistently, that's the bigger surprise. I mean, you have things like X transbots and KFC and stuff. They put out a lot of figures. They're just not all as consistent. Some of them are quite good. Some of them have a uh, room for improvement and, um, like that, but that's an interesting position to be in now because, um, well, it, to return back to the conversation we're having about community, what what this all do, is doing is expanding the reach of that thing too. Um, the, the 
there, there's a problem if if you just had the same eight or nine characters being produced all the time, eventually that thing flatlines and it's over. And now there does seem to be a really uh, expansive view on how characters should be interpreted, what characters should be you know produced, who should be getting yeah. access to what, um, and which is good, I think, um, that it's expanding those things. But on the flip side, it also means that there's an incredible amount of pressure I th- that I have to imagine so many of these companies are feeling because, uh, you know, one or two missteps and it's your, you know, all of a sudden you get to be a reissue company, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, but sort of going back, uh, just briefly to, to your sort of your YouTube experience, um, when did you start getting your trolls and, and how do you handle them? <laughs> trolls. Um, so early on I had, a, I had a lot and this is, this is unique to, I don't know how else to say it, uh, to people of color. Uh. Um, but, and T-Man might've mentioned this or talked about it, or maybe he wouldn't, but um, there's, there's a lot of racism out there. And people on the internet are not afraid because there's, you don't see them. Mm-hmm. So they'll say whatever they want. And that early on was almost made me quit. Um, but Google has done an amazing job. Somehow their algorithm is now able to detect those type of comments and just get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Like they don't even show up. They just block them automatically. So I would say in the last like two two years, maybe three, I haven't seen any of that. Like they just completely stopped. Um, but early on, it had some of that. Um, that was that's probably the worst trolling is when someone just comes in and just puts in a hate a hate comment like whatever it is you know whether it's to me or somebody else sometimes it's to other people yeah someone writes a comment and someone says something hateful not relevant to the figure or the thing that i'm reviewing just something hateful yeah that's probably the the worst thing i've experienced but that went away so pretty much now you know people do leave comments and this is their opinion, and that's exactly what I want. I want conversation, I want discussion. That's part of why I make the videos is so I can hear what people think, you know, hear their opinion. You know, my opinion is not always right. I know that, you know, I have my own opinion. So when I do those versus videos, that is, I try to be objective, but of course it's not, you know, there's gonna be subjectivity when you say something is more cartoon accurate. That's not a science. You know, somebody has to <laughs> look at something and interpret the, the image and then say, yeah, this looks more like that image or it doesn't. Is that's a total opinion based. And same for like quality. You know, how do you judge quality? The only thing that it's, it's totally objective is the price because that's a number. Mm-hmm. It's a total measure. But, but everything else is subjective. So when people tell me, hey, you're you're being too subjective. I'm like, the whole thing is subjective. I, I'll come out and say it like, yeah, it's because it's my opinion and the whole review is subjective. Yeah. If you believe that a reviewer is not being subjective, um, then you've pulled a wool over your eyes. Every reviewer, every review, unless they're not speaking, there's like, there's like two or three reviewers out there, the more like ch- the Chinese ones or the Asian mm-hmm. ones, and they don't speak at all. All they do is you know, manipulate the figure on camera transform it then we have a couple words pop up on the screen but they don't give their opinion 
that is a true objective review because they have not inserted any words of what they think about the figure. Yeah, it, well, it's even almost not a review. It's almost like a promo video. Um, yeah, yeah, that's basically what it is. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, it, 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 there's use in that, right? It's not as if yeah. there's not something that's useful there. Um, I think you're right. And I, that's one of my favorite things. You know, uh, this thing isn't cartoon accurate. Dude, the, the show isn't cartoon accurate. Okay. Like, <laughs> like, and on, it's all, sometimes it's impossible to make it look like the cartoon. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but so that's and, the kind of stuff I get now. Like I, I get those kind of comments like, um, and I'm, I'm open to it. I want those comments. I ask for them. I don't agree with your opinion on X, Y, Z, or I think this looks better than that. Um, or I think the design of this could have proved by doing whatever. I like that. You know, I, I want that discussion. Um, what I don't want is the hate. I don't want people coming in, you know, calling people names and doing stuff mm -hmm. like that. But that stopped a couple of years ago. And I think it's just Google got better mm -hmm. at you know, detecting that kind of stuff. Or maybe it's the, the subscribers I get. I don't know. But I have really good, you know, I get really good comments. Like people get smart intelligent discussion you know and they don't typically don't leave you know hateful comments anymore i don't know if it's just because that's my audience or if it's because you know google improved but it's it definitely be um it's definitely better i don't see the kind of stuff you would see on like tfw mm. like those kind of um once in a while but very rare do i see that kind of discussion or or hate or like someone just I don't know, just hating somebody else just because of their opinion. I don't, that doesn't happen very often anymore. Yeah. Those, those, I, I kind of refer to them as like bile carpet bombing, you know, where you, it's like, you just want to lay waste to the whole landscape because someone doesn't like how a shoulder moves. It's like, come on, man. Like what, what's going on in your life that that's the thing that has you the most animated, like go outside, <laughs> do something else. Um, no, but I'm glad to hear that that your experience is getting better. That there's less of that. Um, well, it the, those that kind of cowardly behavior that the internet lets you have. Um, that you know, because I think that's a lot of what that is. It's just really because they would never say it to you your face. Um, yeah, so I can't. I've, so this is interesting. I, I don't. I don't think I've ever told this story yet. But um, I'm on some Facebook groups out there. Well, people don't know that I'm TM Reviews. You know, mm -hmm. I have my regular name on there. So I'll see people post like a link to one of my videos. And, I, and I'm, I'm a lurker for sure now. Um, so I like <laughs> go in and see what people are saying. And I'll see someone's like, oh, TM Reviews is the worst. He's the worst reviewer you can watch. And I'll be like, oh, why do you think that? Just, just to get a <laughs> just thought. Just right? Yeah. I'm just interested to see what they have to say. Sometimes they have something valid, like, oh, you know, the camera quality or the lighting was, you know, too bright. Um, and I and I actually take, when, when people give me criticisms like that, that I can actually act on and improve, mm -hmm. I take them. You know, I like when people tell me something that I can make better, I'll take it and do it better. Um, but when it's just like stupidity, then I'm like, okay, this is just dumb. You know, I'm just wasting my time talking to people. But yeah, people don't know I'm in the groups and then they're talking about me. So that's kind of funny. That's, uh, I, I will say that to the same thing when I would do like student reviews, teaching at the end of classes. And I would say, you know, I want your honest feedback and, you know, right. tell me things that I can improve. Just don't say things that, you know, like I hate the sound of his voice. I can't do anything about that. <laughs> um, so that, I got that a lot early on. I got people saying, 
um, you know, your voice sounds scratchy, which I know it does. I mean, that's my voice. But um, when I first showed my face on camera, people were like, oh, I never would have thought that's the person with that voice. They thought I was like, you know, one person told me, I thought you were an 18 year old kid uh. with that voice, you know, because you sound like, you know, whatever, you know, I have a scratchy voice. Um, and I was like, well, no, I'm same age as you. I'm in my 30s, 40s. Yep. And I think maybe that changed things once I started showing my face on camera. But before that, I would get that comment all the time about the voice. I, um, and, and, it's, and then it stopped. It just stopped. So I don't know. And, and it's, it's one of those really odd things that, and maybe it's because I am unusual. If that was my opinion of something, I just would stop listening to it. <laughs> I wouldn't need to tell the person like, Hey, your voice, you know, you need to change this to appease to me. Like go find somebody else, man. Like yeah. there are yeah, the plenty of other one people. Thing you just, so that's criticism that I don't appreciate because there's nothing I can do. Nothing. Right. I can't adjust my camera. I can't change my mic. I can't change my lighting or my background or, you know, review a particular aspect of something. There's nothing I can do about my voice. It is my yep. my voice. So sometimes I'll get comments like that in, in like a Facebook group. And I was just like, okay, well, I, you have to have a thick skin if you're going to do this. Because you're going to get criticism and you're going to get the people who say mean, rude, racist thing, whatever, you know, whatever they say. And you got to have a thick skin. Otherwise, you know, you should be in this business. <laughs> I I mean, I'd never had anything like that to that scale because I, you know, you teach a class of 50 and you're just going to you're not going to get that. But I, I got to the point towards the end of, of grad school when I would get feedback from students and I would take out the ones that were like really biting, like really bad. <laughs> and especially if they were unfoundedly bad, like you don't know who these students are purposely. You're not supposed to know, you know, whatever. But you you got you got good guesses. Um, like I don't, I've never, I would never have no one in my class ever had that speech pattern. So I don't know who you are because you never came to my class, but you showed up on review day and you tanked me <sighs> and I would take those up. And I, I went from taking them so personally, cause you do for a while to where I would just find them amusing by the end. Cause you know, like, <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Some of these things are just so absurd. You, you know, it's like a bad family guy cutaway gag, you know, <laughs> like, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole point of doing what you're doing there is to get feedback and improve. Right. Um, but if, if they give you something that's not actionable, then what's the point of it? So, you know, a little dirty secret is, you know, Pink, T-Man, and I share comments that we get, especially when it's really funny or just crazy, off-the-wall type yeah. of stuff. We'll just share them and just, you know, have a laugh about it because... Sometimes there's nothing you can do. You're going to get a comment, something you can do about it. And that's something that comes with the territory being on social media or being um, like a public personality, whether you do podcast or YouTube or mm -hmm. anything, you're going to get comments and we want to improve. So that's why we do that. Right? We take feedback and take criticism, but you're going to get the occasional thing that makes no sense. That's just funny. And you got to laugh it off. Yeah, sure. Um, but that leads to the, the really interesting question about how do you, um, or at least what I find to be a really interesting question is about how have you gone about trying to, um, cultivate this sense of community around your channel or your interaction with other channels? Has it been something you've purposefully done or sort yeah. of something that's just organically evolved? Uh, definitely purposely done. 
Um, and I actually did what you're doing right now to start. Um, so the first thing I did to, to kind of go that way was I started interviewing other people in the community. Um, one, just because to, to get a sense of, you know, what they do, what got them into it. And I had asked a lot of similar questions that you asked. Mm. Um, I haven't been doing that more recently, um, but I did quite a few of those. And interviewed some of the same people you've, you've interviewed, but mm-hmm. um, some others as well. And my kind of intent there was to get people to open up to other viewpoints and other perspectives and even other worlds of toy. Like this, you know, it goes beyond Transformers, right? There's other right. stuff out there. So, you know, kind of expand the community for, for people. And then once I did that, I met people who I was like, man, I, this, I could be friends with this person. You know, they're cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what happened with, with T-Man and Pig is they were just one of the people that I interviewed and we just clicked. And so I, I started doing a news thing. So that was the second thing that kind of happened is I did this TF News with, uh, with Pig. It started with Pig. And then he was like, oh, you know, um, I, I said I was going to interview T-Man is like, oh, T-Man, yeah, I know, like his channel. It would be cool if he comes on the on the show. Mm-hmm. So I asked him, hey, do you want to come on the show? And he's like, yeah. And then it just became a permanent thing. We just every month we do it. Um, but that stuff is what keeps me in it. If it wasn't for that, I don't think I, I'd probably have stopped collecting. I might have even stopped YouTube, to be honest. Um, people, anyone who thinks that you can get into it and make money, it's there's no money in it. It's a losing proposition. You're going to lose money more than you make money um, because especially in the reviewing game, mm-hmm. you're constantly buying figures, camera, lighting, backgrounds, you know, turntables, on and on and on. Like there's it's just a never ending expense that YouTube will never pay you back for. Unless you have like 500,000 subscribers, you can maybe make it a living. But, but to, to get to that is like a Herculean effort. Yeah, and I don't have the energy or time. I have a day job. Right? I work 40 hours a week. I do this between you know, 10 p.m. and 12 p.m. or 1 p.m. at night, 1 a.m., sorry. Yeah. Right, when, when my kid's sleeping, my, my wife's sleeping or you know, doing something else, that's like when I make these videos. So it's not like I can make a career out of it. Some people, they have made a career out of it. And I'm never going to be able to get to that stage where I can put enough time in to grow my channel at that rate. So I'm not, I'm not really in it for that. I'm not in it to become a huge, gigantic channel and, you know, make revenue and have merchandise and, right. you know, partners and all that. You know, I'm just here for, for this, you know, what we're doing right now. Yeah. You know, meeting people, the community, learning more, like learning about other types of toy, toy lines. You know, learning about people's interests. And that's that's the fun part to me. The toy itself is fine. Like I like them, but it's the other stuff that keeps me interested in going with it. So, so what a lovely, lovely answer to that. Um, the sort of the, the last thing that's related to this um, that, that I would want to ask you and then maybe spend a little bit of time just reflecting on is how much of it... Um, this sense of community, do you feel like you're part of the larger, 
uh, transformer community, reviewer community, and how much of it is it do you think that you are the head of your community from your channel, your interactions with people? Um, do you think there's a difference between those things? Uh, what's, what's your sort of experience sitting in between the, those intersections of having your own community, but then also being part of the larger one? I think I act more as a connector than the leader of a, a group or the leader. Like Bobby's a leader. Like he leads that the skull face community right there. They're die hard skull face till the end, back him up, you know, be his crew type of people. And that's, that's fine. I like that. And I'm part of the crew to be honest, but um, my, my role is a little different. You know, I connect people together. Um, so I'll, you know, just as an example, you know, T-Man's fans and Pake's fans and my fans are now all interchanging between our channels mm -hmm. and then they're going off and some of them are now making their own channels like um, Kato's collection and Memo and some of these other guys who've just started channels that they're growing pretty fast, but they, they started new channels. They were once subscribers and, you know, regulars on our channel. So I like that. I like when I find that there's a guy who was over here and now he's coming to these other places and be getting connected. And he met this graphic designer who's going to do his logo mm -hmm. or he met this other guy who does dioramas who's going to help him with his display. Um, that's what, you know, I'm, that's more my role is connecting people um, you know, between different things in the, in the community, not necessarily leading it. Well, and, it, and again, is that something that you have purposely cultivated or something that you have sort of found yourself doing? Um, I guess found myself doing, you know, I, I, I mean, the community party is a big part of it. That's, that's why I set out to do the interviews and do the news and do those live streams. That's all specifically for cultivating community. But I just, I think I turned into a connector just by, by habit. So like I'm on a bunch of different Facebook groups. The role I play there is again, you know, sharing information, community, connecting people. I don't, I don't mod or admin any of the groups. So I'm not the leader, mm -hmm. but I do try to connect people together who are in different parts of the community. So I guess it just happened naturally. And is it, is that the a role that you are happy to, uh, to play? Is that something that you are glad you found yourself doing? Yeah. Yep. I enjoy it. I like, um, you know, I like the part of meeting people. So I did, I did um, Uber for a couple of years. Mm. I think for like a year. Sorry, just just one year. I tried it out. I did Uber and Lyft, and I didn't. It didn't make good money, to be honest. It's again a losing proposition because you got to pay for gas, wear and tear, tolls if you go, drive on a toll. Um, by the time you're done you're not making much, you know, it's like a minimum wage kind of job. Mm -hmm. So you had to work long hours if you want to, but I did it because I enjoyed meeting people in the conversation and going to random places and finding like, right. Has, it's, it's, it was again about meeting people and talking to people. So that's kind of the part that I like about this is I get to meet people, talk to people, um, you know, find new perspectives hear about you know new places discover at least locally you know discover new new uh things that are around me that i didn't know um so all of that that kind of you know relating that back to what we're talking about here um the same thing is true for the transformers community 
you know, how do you know what's out there if you're not talking to people and having that discussion? Yeah. In the community? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's exactly right. The, uh, the social scientist now wants me to ask, um, so uh, is this, um, are you seeking all this out because there's um, less of this in other aspects of your life or it's because you facilitate similar roles in the other aspects of your life? that you sort of find yourself doing the same thing in all the areas, or is this sort of filling in and complementing those other parts? Oh, you're going real philosophical. <laughs> um, my job, so my real job, I said I was an engineer, but if I, if I go a step further, I'm a process improvement guy. So I, I facilitate teams. Mm -hmm. So my job is to help them realize their potential and help them realize how to improve something, whatever it is. It might be a process. It might be just how they operate as a team. It might be some project they're working on. So I guess I do that in my job naturally. So I'm just starting to do that in this community too, is just try to you know, connect people and get them to um, realize potential or you know, improve something, make it better. I guess that's kind of the role I fell in here too. Yeah. Well, it makes those people together. Well, it makes a certain amount of sense, right? Especially if you're, if you're, if you're good at one set of skills and you can apply it to a new area, why would you not? Um, so that, that makes perfect sense to me. So, um, well, we are here. You've been very gracious with your time with me. So I don't, and I want to be uh, respectful of that, not keep you for too long. So, and I think um, ending here with this conversation of facilitating communication and connection couldn't be a better way to end a discussion on community. So um, I really appreciate the time that you spent with me here tonight. Um, and uh, thank you so much for doing that. Thanks. Yeah, I had a, I had a good time too. And um, I appreciate what you're doing uh, for the community as well. And I wasn't bored the whole time. So I would say I enjoyed myself. So thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the conversations on this channel, please consider subscribing or supporting the channel more directly with the link in the description. And I hope you'll join me in the next episode.